Hi guys, welcome to Jules and Phoebe, the bi-weekly pop culture and social commentary podcast brought to you by yours truly, Jules and Phoebe. Hello Jules, how are you? I'm good. I'm out here staying alert and controlling the virus. <laughs> Thank God, because who knows what I've been doing for the last eight weeks, but now I'm ready to stay alert. Defences are up. So embarrassing. <laughs> the UK you know is actually a laughing stock now. Well, I was talking to my auntie who lives in Scotland the other day and she was saying, you know, I will say I feel like Nicola Sturgeon's really got her head screwed on. And I was like, yeah, it must have been nice to have someone in your corner who was like, I don't know what stay alert means. So we're sticking with stay at home. No, but Nicola Sturgeon is amazing. Yeah, she is. I don't know why, like English people seem really against her. I think that they don't like that Scotland full stop wanted independence. Yeah, because I remember in my French class and, you know, we had someone in the class who worked for the NHS and obviously liberal Labour people. And Mm -hmm. then he was like so disgusted by us. And then, yeah. And then I said something about Nicola Sturgeon. Like, I really think she's keeping Scotland's best interest at heart. And then he just went off on a rant saying how Mm -hmm. she's anti the UK, basically saying like we should try her for treason, the equivalent of that. You know what? That is so interesting because I have heard other people say things like that. And there are always going to be varying degrees of nationalism and patriotism and da-da-da. Any kind of patriotism which is taken to an extreme is not a good thing, right? Like, I know that we can agree on that full stop. However, it does feel like there is such an unhealthy strain of like, imperialistic militaristic obsession when it comes to english patriotism and everyone who isn't like fucking joyous britannia is treasonous basically yeah but the challenge we have now with brexit with coronavirus it's just exposed how delusional english people are so the new york times actually did a takedown of boris and how they're handling covid in the uk and basically said it's a mixture of incompetence and delusion. That was a summary of the article from the New York That's Times. Wild. Well, yeah. I even thought that now I want to toe the party line here, as it were, because for our international listeners, last Friday was VE Day. VE Day stands for Victory in Europe. Victory in Europe Day was then celebrated on Friday to mark 75 years after World War II. And it feels like there is such an obsession with World War II for English people that like so much of the English culture hinges on, yeah, well, we fought the Nazis. And I'm not saying that like, obviously I know the atrocities that were committed in World War II and there's no part of me that's being like, "Ah, get over it guys. However, I do think that it's interesting that so many people pin so much of their cultural identity on exactly that. Somebody at work asked if we were celebrating VE Day and how in the village that she's from, they were celebrating VE Day. And I think that it's really important to like celebrate your history, but then you also need to have a vision for the future. Mm. Like all people in this country seem to care about is the past. It's like the colonial hangover. It's this like yes. heroic hangover. <laughs> and somebody put on Twitter that Boris is basically the bootleg Winston Churchill. Oh, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, the, I'm so the glad you Churchill. <laughs> no, on Sunday evening when Boris was giving his speech and when he was trying to be so impassioned, I turned to my husband and I said, this is a budget version. Like I'm waiting for him to say we will fight them on the beaches. It was Churchill cosplay to an embarrassing degree. Yeah, it was so embarrassing. And, you know, he was close to tears. I was like, okay, what's going on? You in this mess. You literally tried to get us to go the herd immunity route. And now you're going to be like, no. But the challenge that someone like Boris has is that he believes in eugenics. (laughs) 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 You know, like if if you go through like, you know, articles that he's had in the past where... He's talking about population control. And I always get very triggered when people talk about population control because it's always in the wrong context. So Mm -hmm. now the popular thing, the chic thing, is to talk about population control and talk about climate change. And 
the countries or the parts of the world that have the highest populations actually have the lowest consumption. Climate change is about energy consumption. And in the mm-hmm. West, we just consume way more than we need. Yeah. So it really is like a dog whistle, right? Oh, totally. So Boris is like all about that intellectually, right? Mm-hmm. And now they thought, oh yeah, let's do herd immunity. If you can't survive, you can't survive. But then he caught the virus. Yes. And isn't it so funny that... He didn't expect to catch the virus. He didn't expect to catch the virus. <laughs> but I will say, I did not expect him catching the virus to work so well for him. Feels like people just fell at his feet. Like, oh my God. But they always have fallen at his feet. There's something about him. First of all, he speaks in RP, which is very important in the UK. This is crucial to your success in the UK. For our international listeners, (laughs) RP is received pronunciation. And it's basically the way the Queen speaks. And And this is crucial. If I had to create like a pack, you have to go to an elite boarding boys' school, either Eton or Harrow. You have to go to Oxford. You have to speak in RP. These are like fundamentals. And Boris has all of that. And I think that, but he's a bit of a joker. Yeah, but then he... He sees himself at the pub with Boris. Absolutely. Even though people love you if you have that, that's it. Received pronunciation is really interesting. Again, for our international listeners, there was a really great advert that Nike did in the past couple of years where it was talking about London and London sports and all of the different like athletes that you get in London. And at the very end, it finished with a kind of like a wartime received pronunciation radio kind of clip, which basically went, this is London. And that <laughs> is received pronunciation. It's your clipped, but your soft R's It's like the Queen speaks on the crown and you couldn't possibly quite describe how one elongates the vowels, but you know it when you hear it. Yeah, exactly. So I'm thinking about this and I'm like, with communication, the nature of communication is that the words are about 10% or even less than 10% of what's important. And I just think that that overall 90%, he must do it so well. And that's why people love him. Anyway, I hate that man. But I think, again, in the context of V-Day, it was very interesting. I was having a conversation with my husband and I was just reading an article. So VE Day was maybe obviously like just barely 20 years after Ireland had won freedom from the United Kingdom. And I was just reading an excerpt from an article that I had opened where it was talking about how celebrations in Dublin that day had led to students from Trinity University, which is a Protestant university in Ireland, hoisting the Union Jack. Then students from University College Dublin, which would have been the Catholic university, then burnt the UK flag, the Union Jack, on their way to a protest in the middle of the city. My husband, who was incredibly liberal, very open-minded, was like... I just think that's unbelievable. <laughs> and I was going, it's less than 20 years or barely 20 years after a civil war, Charles. Like, I don't really blame them for not being thrilled to have seen the Union Jack hanging from lampposts. And he was like, you know, I just think we did fight the Nazis. Like, that's a big thing. And that's why I think it's so fascinating that even the low levels, mm-hmm. Masman would be one of the last people to say that he's nationalistic or patriotic about being English. But even the lower levels are so strong in England. Yeah, it's something I can't relate to when it comes to the flag. And Americans are like this and a lot of people are like this. When it comes to the flag, it is sacred. Mm. And even if you are legitimately protesting against what that flag represents, as we've seen with Colin Kaepernick in the US, people go crazy. So, you know, it just is what it is. I do think it's interesting in the context of patriotism and nationalism. What does that actually mean to you when you think about your country? I love being Irish, as Juliet will attest to. I feel like I've mentioned it so many times per episode. But it's not rooted to any tangible thing. Whereas so much of the time, I feel like, as I said, certain countries have such a militaristic or imperialistic view of what that nationalism means. It's like it's always going to be something like, huh, the Industrial Revolution started here. And you're thinking, what the fuck are you bringing that up for? Like, yeah. what are we... The challenge we have with the UK is that the patriotism is so strongly correlated with imperialism and white supremacy mm-hmm. that when you're from the UK and you're from the Commonwealth, like me, it's very difficult for you to reconcile with that. It's difficult for you yeah. to 100% embrace that identity because they don't want you anyway. You're like the bastard. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's very difficult because I'm a bastard of the UK and I'm a bastard of Uganda. So just out here, <laughs> you know. Red-headed stepchild. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so it's really a tricky one. And some people react to this kind of differently. So you've got some people who are British but not English. You know, people like David Lammy who will, like, go on Twitter and talk about how English he is and how he's as English as, like, the next English guy. I'm like, bro, let it go. Like, <laughs> give up. <laughs> I just mind my business. It's uh, fine. It's okay. <laughs> create your own lane. Yeah, create your own lane. Were you up to anything interesting on VE Day? Uh, no, I mean, it's Groundhog Day over here. The only thing that I've really been doing over the past week is gearing myself up to watch normal people. I don't know if you've seen that or if you're aware of any of the hype. Yeah, I mean, I've read the book and I loved it. And it's like number one on BBC. Whenever I turn on iPlay, it's recommended. But I'm so scared to watch it. Because first of all, the main character is like too skinny. That's not what I imagined her as. (laughs) So I'm just like, I just worry watching it. Yeah. But yeah, I guess you have to watch it and then see if it's good. But it's meant to be very good. I'm the same. Like, I loved the book. I found the book almost traumatizing because I felt like it was... I feel like probably for most people, it was just a very real story of like being in love for the first time and how all encompassing you think that is and like the varying degrees of toxicity that come with it and how much you're playing at being grown up. I finished that and I was literally just lying awake that whole night. I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I felt like sick and everyone has been raving about it. But I don't know if I can do it to myself because I get too invested in these things and... (laughs) I feel like the fact that there's already been an Instagram started up for Connell's chain is probably too much for me. I'm like, I'll get like, I'll start telling myself, oh my God, this is real life. I know these people. Yeah, that's the thing. I was, that's what stopped me from watching it. Cause I'm like, I'm going to get so engrossed in it. And I just don't know if it's good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Apparently it's meant to be very good. It's meant to be incredible. And you know, what's really funny. My friend Andrea is dating an Irish guy at the moment. And we were talking yesterday about, she's deep in it. She was asking me if I'd started watching it yet. And I basically said what I just said to you about, oh my God, no, I think I'm going to find it like actually trauma inducing. It will bring me too sharply back to my awkward, ugly teenage years. And she was like, oh, it is way too accurate a depiction of dating an Irish guy. There's one (laughs) scene in which Marianne texts Connell and he takes out his phone. He looks at it and then just puts it back in his pocket unanswered. And she was like, I was triggered by that because that is literally (laughs) my life. And so this is the thing. There is a reason I feel I did not end up with an Irish guy. Like the communication skills are absolutely not there unless you are incredibly lucky. And I just think that it's going to be like, oh, my God. Yeah, I remember that about being, you know, in my teens, early 20s. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. That's on the list of things that I'm definitely going to watch. How about you? In terms of like my life, like things are fine, obviously very repetitive, but things are okay. What did really upset me, I had a tough week last week, like actually a tough week because of the whole Ahmad Arbery thing. So Ahmad was basically a young black man that was killed in the US when he was on a jog. So if you haven't heard the story, I don't know what rock you're under and mm. if I can if I can help you. But like this has been on the internet and this happened in February, but because of the whole COVID thing, there wasn't much spotlight on it. Yes. And so over the last couple of weeks it's gained a lot of momentum. And last weekend it was Ahmad's birthday. And so people were doing runs around the world just like running for Ahmad, just trying to bring awareness to the situation, celebrate his birthday, which was also on Mother's Day weekend. And I don't know if it's because I like to run or what it was about this situation, but like, I was just so shocked by it. And then I was like having trouble sleeping. And you just think, because the video came out of what happened, and then you kind of think, why was this person recording this video? Who was he recording the video for? It seems to me, or from what I've read about it, so again, to further kind of give more colour around this, it was a white man and his son who basically chased this young man, shot him twice in the chest, the autopsy report has now revealed, and it seems that the third person in this party who was following in another car behind recorded it because he thought that his video was going to show that it was justified, it seems, 
and it's still unclear at this point. Is that what was said? Well, it's unclear at this point who's released it. So some people were speculating that it was the lawyer of this third guy because they thought that by releasing it, it would seem that he was cooperating and that he was distancing himself from the father and son. Okay, but there's a difference between why you released it and why you recorded oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, there, I think that there was nothing good about why he... There was no goodwill in why he recorded it. The last NAACP awards, Rihanna won an award, right? And I don't know if you've watched that speech. I have. Okay, so Rihanna wins the award and she gave a great speech in the sense that, I mean, it's just so relevant. So Rihanna was saying that, you know, when we're talking about the Michael Browns of the world, essentially when we're talking about the Ahmad Arberries of the world. If people care about you, if they like you, your friends, your partner, your colleagues, if they like you, this is their problem as well. Yeah. You know, and she said, basically, tell your friends to pull up, which means tell your friends to get involved, tell your friends to engage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I'm doing my Ahmad posts, minimal I'm not engagement. minimal, minimal engagement mm-hmm. from white people. If you ask them, yeah, they like Jules. Mm hmm. I'm their friend there's just a just no engagement there's like no interest yeah and you know what I think that this is you know this may sound harsh but perhaps it needs to I think that the reason that there's no engagement is because people don't want to like quote unquote get it wrong and so they would prefer to be like oh I didn't even know it was going on than to be like you could have handled that better yeah Um, but Instagram requires very low very low the commitment level is like nothing, right? So, however, people I mean, send emojis for like everything. Mm-hmm. That's people true. People react to everything, but they don't I, react to this. I actually wrote a post on my story on Instagram about this during the weekend because one of the things that I felt quite uncomfortable with was that I was seeing a lot of people do this kind of tokenistic gesture of kind of hashtag I run with Maud. And I was kind of like, this is very tokenistic. Now, I mean that in particular for white people, because we can be troubled and we can be upset and we can find news like that horrifying. But we can also know that in a very real sense, it is unlikely to happen to us. I don't know if you've seen the guy on Twitter who lives in like the same neck of the woods as Ahmad. And he literally goes running through the neighborhood, topless, holding a TV, but he's white. And he's doing it to prove a point of like, this young man was hunted because people were saying, oh, well, he, you know, there had been break-ins in the area. He's literally running through your neighborhood holding a television (laughs) and you have not stopped him. And I think that this is the issue. A friend of mine, Holiday Phillips, actually wrote a post on this like performative allyship where if you aren't checking in on the people who are disproportionately affected by violent crimes like this. And there was a young man who was also tased in the UK in front of his six-year-old daughter over the past week as well. Mm. Twice, tased twice, because he wasn't social distancing enough, in quotation marks, on a petrol station forecourt. If you are not checking in on the people who are also disproportionately affected by these acts of violence, then your hashtag means nothing. Yeah, but you have two levers that you need to push and pull, right? Mm. I think that people do need to hashtag and people people do need to share because I only saw it when it ended up on Kelly Rowland's page, mm-hmm. right? I found out about this, I think, quite late. So, like, I found out about this on Thursday last week or, like, Wednesday last week. And it was because I saw it on, on her page and then I went to go and look a, a little bit deeper. And I think, yes, you need to have that other level where people are actively challenging racism and white supremacy like challenging things their friends say challenging things that they see at work but then you need to just have a level of superficial engagement where as a culture we accept this is a problem Mm -hmm. I'm at the point where you know I have a couple of friends you are one of them who are outraged and like will post but literally that's like two percent or less than two percent of the people around me so then I feel unsafe because I live in England Mm -hmm. And then I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, if something happens to me, it's over. Like, there's no one that's going to advocate for me because people just don't see it and they just don't care. And also that you are also having to internalize those feelings. And, you know, while it's entertainment for other people, while it's like a hashtag for people. But it's actually um, real life. Yeah, it's real life. I'm lucky I live in England. Like, I don't feel unsafe when I go running. 
But what people don't, let's say if we look at something that maybe people are more comfortable talking about, like we accept it's an issue. Violence against women is an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not uncommon for a woman to be killed by her partner. Mm-hmm. Before you get to that level of violence, there is emotional abuse, there's mm-hmm. psychological abuse. There's so much that happens before a woman is actually killed by their partner, yeah. right? So for us to see this type of video, there must be so much going on in our society before Absolutely. people can see someone, see a black man running, jump in their car with their gun, shoot them, make a home entertainment video out of it. There must and be so much going on in the culture. Absolutely. And remember it now that this investigation was shut down before it even began by oh, the DA because down. his father was an ex-cop yes. and he knew the district attorney. Yes. And, you know, it's this thing of like fucking, again, not to like extrapolate on this, but it's the exact same thing with Brock Turner, where it becomes a thing like an outstanding young man who's made a mistake. You sexually assaulted a woman behind a dumpster when she was passed out. So, no, there's no coherence in your argument if you're trying to be like, oh, yeah, he's a great guy. He just chased down a a young man in his 20s and shot him twice in the chest at point blank range. Because because you thought he was breaking and entering. No, but But we know that's a lie, by the way. We We know that's saying it because they've investigated it and there were no recent break ins. Mm. There was a video of Ahmad on a property and the person that owns that property said nothing was stolen. So this is just like a lie but they told his family that they told him that and if the video hadn't come out his family wouldn't have known what happened to him yeah so it's um, straight up in fucking to kill a mockingbird territory do you know what literally literally it's to kill a mockingbird so i had that that was bringing me down and then i had the adele weight loss breaking the internet that was like pulling me in a complete opposite direction (laughs) so it's all been quite intense the emotional scale here oh yeah mixed emotions I was like, what? I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I don't know what you thought about that. I mean, I thought that she looked great. Good for her. I think that, I think the culture of celebrity and I, you, how many fucking- You love celebrities. I love, I was just going to say, how many articles about celebrities do I send you a day? At least three, I would say. I'll always be like, oh my God, have you seen this? But I just feel like, I mean, I'm going to contradict myself because I'm sure I'm going to try and speak about Meghan Markle soon. But like, please do not try and get in Adele's headspace and be like, oh, this is how she feels about her weight loss. Like, she obviously feels good about it because she shared a picture, but she's also just gone through a divorce. So how much of that weight loss is because she was like, fuck it. Like, yeah, I'm going to start killing it. I'm working out in the gym. I live in LA now. This is how people look. Versus how much of it was like, oh my God, this is really fucking hard. I'm going through a divorce. I didn't expect this to happen. I'm trying yeah, to arrange shared custody with my child. I don't know. Like, Yeah. Yeah, we don't know the reasons, you know, or, you know, what led to it. I saw something on Matt McGorry's Instagram that I thought I'd, I'd share with you. I love that. So guy. he posted something. Yeah, me too. And he said, when we celebrate weight loss and gush about how much more beautiful and healthy it's made someone without knowing how or why they lost weight in the first place, we're making it clear that we don't even care about health. We just prefer thinness, no matter its cost. Facts. And um, for you to read because you like are like yeah but at the same time I want to be thin yeah it's such a battle it's really an everyday battle and and Joe Rogan was talking about this on his podcast oh was he with some guy about Adele and then he was saying you know you have the other crew on the internet that are like oh size doesn't matter why is everybody praising this weight loss situation and he's like because she looks better he's like you can't say that she doesn't look better And he was saying, people are like, oh, yeah, beauty standards. He said, it's a beauty standard because it's what looks good. You can't say. You straight up said that. Oh, he really went in. He was like, you can't say that she looked better before. And he was saying how she looks better. She's clearly healthier. Obviously, we don't know if she's healthier. Yeah. I assume she might be healthier because she was carrying a lot of weight before. However, we don't know. She's been losing that weight by chain smoking and doing coke then she probably isn't. And the thing that I think is so interesting because it speaks to how you just cannot win ever for even a fucking, you can't get a seconds piece. So many of the things that I saw were like, 
well, she's 30 now, right? She just turned 30. It's like, when you lose that much weight in your 30s, your face will start to lose volume. So what I would recommend for Adele, if she was to come to my clinic, would be about two mil of filler in each cheek. <laughs> Sometimes, do you know what I mean? It's immediately like, oh, well, um, her body might look okay, but her face looks haggard now. <laughs> her face looks like a deflated balloon, so she'll need some fillers and possibly a facelift. And you just think, oh, fucking hell. Like... You definitely can't win. And I posted, you know, I asked a question on Instagram and I said, is celebrating her weight loss fat phobic? And then everybody was like, no, it's not. Right. So about 90% of people were like, no, it's not. But just like white supremacy, fat phobia is so ingrained in us. Yeah, for sure. Like, of course, it's fat phobic. Yeah, of course. And do you know what the thing is as How well? How is losing like... weight an achievement? Yeah, exactly. Like, and it the, is an achievement because it's very difficult to do. But it's like we can't but, put being thin above everything. And also, let somebody else tell you that they want to celebrate that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, well, she posted she, on her birthday, so she knows that she's she celebrating. Posted a picture, but do you know what I mean? She's also allowed to post a picture of herself on her birthday. I don't think that she would have not posted a picture of herself if she hadn't lost weight. And mm. this is the thing: like Adele's been on the scene for what, like well, 11 years now, right? Because Mm. 19 was her first, was her debut album. So 11 years at least. And she has always been fucking hilarious, Mm. a lot of fun. She's always been beautiful. Mm. And she's always been like vivacious and had a great voice and all of this kind of stuff. And it's kind of like, people have been taking notice of her anyway, because in every room, like there's there's a reason that like other celebrities like her, there's a reason that she's a great interviewee. There's a reason that she's on chat shows and like podcasts and everything Mm. like that, because she's fucking funny. Yeah. Good with James Corden. She's good with Graham Norton, whatever. Don't just take notice of her now because she's gotten thin and then be like, Oh my God, she looks so much happier, which is what people are saying. Right. Well, it's just, I mean, we live in a sexist world, right? You can be all of those things. She's a phenomenal talent. She's incredibly successful and people love her. Like we all love Adele, but she wasn't slim. She wasn't slim, but that doesn't mean she wasn't beautiful. Cause I always thought that she well, was so beautiful. Yeah, you did. And I've always thought Adele looks great. Yeah, I think it's hard. I guess it depends on like one thing that I am so covetous of is beautiful skin. Mm. And Adele has always had like gorgeous skin. She's always had super extreme eye makeup. Like, I don't know. I just think of her like as someone who in every interview is just a lot of fun. So yeah, yeah, but some people want to be hot. Like, yeah, I'm fun. I'm talented. But I want to be snatched. I want to be with Mm. my tight dress like that's well within her rights to want that that's well and do you know what like but the thing is we also don't know whether or not like again we don't know how much of it like she's been steadily so difficult to lose weight and it's so difficult to lose that much weight she's had to change her lifestyle change her habits probably have a nutritionist on deck a chef on deck personal trainers on deck so this is something that she wanted I'm sure that she did (laughs) but you know like but at the same time this has happened during a global pandemic when she's also gone through a divorce so you don't know how much of it is like you think she was just depressed in bed and she lost I don't think that that was all, all of it. That, that could have been, she has been steadily losing weight. And in yeah. like the other pictures that are being posted of her that were on the front of all of the papers where she's wearing that fab 60s style dress and the knee high mm. brown boots. Like yeah. she is even thinner in her own Instagram post than she is in that picture. Yes, I and saw so, that first. Yeah. And I was like, woo, 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 woo. And then I saw the other one and I was like, oh, whoa, okay. Yeah, like she's properly, do you know what I mean? You don't, I mean, personally, I am unfortunately not someone who loses weight when they're stressed. I also feel that I'm constantly fucking stressed. So maybe that's why my body has just gotten used to being stressed. So it's like, there's no, (laughs) like, there's no, oh my God, like we're dropping pounds like crazy. One of my friends will lose weight. Like if she goes through a breakup or something, three days later, she will have lost over a stone she'll be oh, like wow okay I can't eat I'm so anxious and I'm like oh what why wish so, I had that yeah right like <laughs> but then again we are and we are a society that is obsessed with weight we're obsessed with always being attractive and you know I think Adele I remember saying like I don't make music for eyes I make music for ears right and she was always like I'm never going to be skinny mini I'm never 
like this is me she also moved to LA and it's a completely different world you can't get away with being as big as Adele was in LA yeah I mean you can't even get away with not doing your nails in LA full stop we live in a fat phobic society there are certain places that are even more so yeah you can't it's very very difficult and I mean I have had family members or people like removed from me be like you look you've put on weight and you know what it really suits you and I'll still be like oh I need to go home immediately (laughs) who's driving me away from this place right and that said with love and you'd still be like oh I'm so conscious that someone told me that I'm looking heavier than normal or whatever I remember um another member of my family when I was like when I got over my puppy fat phase saying to me I must have been like 13 or something she was like you really kept the weight off. And it was like capital T, the capital W weight. And I remember, (laughs) oh my God, I'm so shaken that the weight, everybody knew about it except for me. The weight is so stressful. The weight. Honestly, Um, the weight is one thing that I would definitely say like stresses me out. So if I lived in LA and people were like, you're so brave. (laughs) I'd be, do you know, I would probably be super thin as well. If people oh, were like, yeah. so brave of you to come out just looking like that. It's incredible. Yeah, I, Good I'd have my you. nutritionist and my uh, my personal trainers on deck absolutely. too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I found it, yeah. I just thought it was crazy how like she broke the internet. It was so completely unexpected. And just the sort of dialogue around it was super interesting. What I wanted to talk about briefly I think I sent you across an article about this, was the other thing that broke the internet over the past week, which was Meghan Markle and baby Archie reading a book for his first birthday and the Save the Children charity in the UK. And <laughs> So basically, I saw a bunch of white women on Twitter who were very angry mm-hmm. um, and making all these negative comments about Meghan Markle and Archie, which is like, people have way too much time on their hands, right? And mm-hmm. right now, there's a lot of memes about Karen. Yes. Do you know what the definition of Karen is? Loosely, yes. The thing okay. is, I know one Karen who gets a real kick out of the Karen thing, to my knowledge. It's a bit like when we spoke about white feminism a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah, I absolutely see Karen as synonymous with white feminist. Yeah. But I found the official definition. Oh, did you? Oh, go on. Yeah. Karen is a mocking slang term for an entitled, obnoxious, middle-aged white woman. (laughs) (laughs) So this is it. What I was going to say is that in the same way that just if you're a feminist who's white doesn't mean you're a white feminist. You can be called Karen without being a Karen. A Karen transcends that, right? And there does seem to have been like a resurgence for that term. I think it's been like floating around the internet for quite some time, but... Okay, cool. I didn't hear about it like before. I heard about it recently. And on Reddit, it says, a Karen is typically a woman between the ages of 30 to 60 who likely has children and has an air of a suburban mum. However, what is most distinctive and important to notice about a Karen is that she's incredibly entitled, nosy and belligerent. I mean, that sounds Karen is almost always used as a slur to these kinds of women who refuse to treat other people decently. Facts. (laughs) No lie detected. So Emily Giffen is an author who wrote... I mean, she writes chiclet. I don't want to sound like I'm being disparaging of chiclet because I'm actually massively not. But like her biggest claim to fame, I think, is that she wrote a book called Something Borrowed, which was made into a film in like 2011. Anyway, she claims to be a bit of like a royal obsessive. And she, I saw a tweet that basically read, man, oh man, does Something Borrowed author Emily Giffen hate Meghan Markle? So this woman had gone out of control being like posting about now what I will say is what I found so crazy about this was that this is a woman who is also in the public eye yeah and so you know when like usually I wouldn't go so far as to call her a celebrity but she's often on different talk shows she's got a big following on social media and it's kind of like this is wild that you actually thought that you were just going to share your opinions in this way like it was nothing and that there would be no repercussions. So she posted... Yeah, what we have to realise is that this is the norm. 
the people that are now kind of like this backlash he's experiencing on Instagram, uh, uh, sorry, on Twitter, it reminds me of the backlash that happened because the black lady living in the countryside, living her best life. Oh my gosh. Yes. Also, as a note on that, did you see the article that I sent you today? Yeah, she's living her best life. She's living her best life. This was Auntie Paula. We actually had talked about talking about this, but we never got around to it properly. Again, another white woman on Twitter, another Karen. Yeah, another Karen basically wrote a post saying she was leaving Twitter because Hill House Vintage, that's the the Instagram, there was a picture of her just living her best life. She's a black woman living in Norwich, really into the countryside, really into gardening. And there was something about this that triggered this woman. And then she was on Twitter bitching about her to her mates, calling her the C word Mm. to her mates. And you would think, wow, why would you get on Twitter and be having this type of conversation? Because it's the norm. Mm -hmm. It's the norm for them. And the thing about the Karen is that they are very anti women of color. There's something about a woman of color living her life that really pisses the Karens of the world off. You've got this stuff happening with Meghan Markle. You've got this assault now on Marie Kondo. You've got yeah. all the antagonism with Christy Teigen. Mm-hmm. What is up? Yeah, it's true. People are <laughs> feeling like they can be vocal about it in a whole new way. And so I think part of the thing with this Hill House vintage, and I would really, if you can find anything about it, for like our listeners, I'm saying this too, if you can find anything about it, I would encourage you to read it. It was really incredible to witness this happening. It was like a couple of Fridays ago. And basically, as Jules said, this woman who runs Hill House Vintage, Paula, a picture of her Instagram, her sitting outside of her beautiful house. She's wearing her vintage clothes. She's super into this like 1940s style, you know, the the hair, the lipstick, the clothes, all the of elegance. this kind of stuff. The yeah. elegance. And again, this author, this white author on Twitter was like, no, this is the final straw. I'm I'm off Instagram. And if anyone's wondering why, this is the picture. Mm. And people justifiably were like, what are you talking about? Why would you even think it would be appropriate for you to share that this is the thing that's thrown you over? Like, there is such racism in your statement that you see countless white women do this every day and it's never bothered you. But your final straw is when a middle-aged black woman does it. And as Juliet says, she went absolutely off on one on Twitter, calling her a see you next Tuesday. So unnecessarily. It was so yeah. vitriolic. I think that she honestly thought that she was going to blow up because people were like, ha, look at this funny take. Like people always think that they're going to go viral for the right reasons. Mm. And I think that's what makes them feel empowered to be like, look at me. I'm just, I'm such a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I just think that's a part of it. And also it's, just so mainstream it's their world Mm. but they don't realize that if you're on twitter if you're on instagram and it's open there are other people that see it that just disagree with you and i think that there was enough momentum there's enough people online who were like Mm. oh hell no not today and then we all started following paula she's literally getting endorsed by glossier now like she's just winning she's winning And because she's had this incredible career. Anyway, right, I digress, guys. You have to read it. We'll also try and share the link to the Into the Gloss article where she talks about, like, her skin regimen, the makeup that she likes. She's super beautiful. Check out Hill House Vintage as well, which is such a therapeutic thing to go through. Her house is so beautiful. Her style is immaculate. All of it. Back to Emily Giffen. Emily Giffen goes absolutely batshit crazy about Meghan Markle, who at this stage has broken the internet in tandem with Adele because this video of her reading a story to Archie on his first birthday has had over 30 million views. So Emily Giffen's messaging about, oh, she's so unmaternal. She's such a phony. Expressing concern for Meghan Markle's child, which is a level of like fucking evil that I can't get into if you don't like someone fine but the second that you start to cast aspersions on them as a parent and start to intimate that they should have their child taken away from them because you are worried about that child you're a fucking dirt buddy like you're a bad person straight up obviously Megan is privileged and I'm hoping she has the support that she needs and everything that she needs to kind of deal Mm -hmm. with all of this this type of behavior plays out everywhere, mm-hmm. right? So 
the women who have married into families who just don't want them to be there because of what they look like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like this lady is like the cousin, the aunt, the bitchy people who just don't want you there. Yeah. And will always undermine you, always tell you that you don't belong. When we talk about things happening like online or, you know, you're using the celebrities as a context, like this is a microcosm of things that people are experiencing. Absolutely. So, yes, I saw that when you sent it to me. I was like crazy. But the irony being then, obviously, this blew up. I think that, again, she was probably expecting to get more support than she did. She did get enough support from the other people on the Internet who also hate Meghan Markle. But it blew up in such a way that she put her Twitter on private, put her Instagram on private. (laughs) And in the same way that this other woman did who was slagging off Hill House Vintage, also put all of her social media on lockdown, deleted the tweet, yada, yada, yada. And someone tweeted and made a really interesting point. It's like, it's funny how when the vitriol is directed towards them, suddenly they can't take it. Suddenly it's like Emily Giffen is on private, her Instagram's locked off, her Twitter's locked off, but she has been doing this to Meghan Markle for the past three years. To varying degrees, she's been like obsessed with this woman and tweeting about like how she's a bad person, how Harry needs to get away, all of this kind of stuff. And you can't see the irony in you thinking that you should be able to lock down your social media so that people can't say those nasty things to you Mm. when they call you a fucking bitch. But you think that you should be able to do it too, in this instance, Meghan Markle, who can't lock off any social media, who is a member of the public, because rightly or wrongly at this point, she is in the public eye. And even when she walks away from it, even when she walks away from the royal family, she's still in the firing line. Mm, yeah that's so true but people when it comes to themselves people have very different standards about what's yeah, acceptable and absolutely. what what one should endure because everybody was telling Megan to just ignore the negative comments absolutely. ignore the press ignore the bullies online <laughs> oh just God, ignore I them just, I simply wouldn't read the Daily Mail if they were writing that about me <laughs> exactly oh exactly. I'm sorry right but all this stuff is really important right look what happened to Caroline Flack okay Like, how you conduct yourself online is important. Absolutely. And bullying is not cool, Karen. It's not cool, Karen. And also just, like, get a grip. Get a fucking grip. Yeah, and this is the thing I always my sister and I always end up going down the rabbit hole on these things and we were messaging about it because when Save the Children UK first released the video which they've been doing a lot with different celebrities reading different stories I assume that most people know that my sister and I were messaging and I was like oh my god good for them like I've had a quick scroll through the comments there don't seem to be any negative comments because people who would have been following Save the Children and knew that that was maybe one of Meghan Markle's patronages aren't people who hate Meghan Markle. So it was like a very genuine, like, oh, this is gorgeous. Like, what a a sweet baby. Like, oh, I love this video. Where can we donate if we don't live in the UK? Those were by and large Mm. comments. It gains a little bit of traction. People are losing their shit. Jennifer Garner, an actress in the US who's been doing work with Save the Children for the past 10 years, has been reposting all of the videos of people reading because she's one of the ambassadors for the charity, reposted the one that Meghan Markle did and like basically wrote a short message being like, Meghan and Harry, thank you so much for this. I know that the donations that you've helped to raise will make such a difference, yada, yada. Thank you for sharing your baby with us. Mm. Really sweet message. The Karens descend on Jennifer Garner's Instagram. They're like, you should delete this. Look at that baby. Yeah, like, look at that baby. She's got him naked. What a fuck you to the royal family. This is disgusting. Sitting there in her shorts. Like, what's good? I'm glad that Jennifer Garner left the comments open. Yeah. Let people show their true colours right now. Absolutely. You know, like let them show their true colours. I would rather things just be out in the open so everybody else can read a story to a child that is not behaving perfectly and everybody thinks it's cute. A one-year-old. Like, a one-year-old. And like Megan can do it and then it's like all this drama. I'm like, wow, people have so much People have so much time. Energy, people yeah. are like, my child never squirms when I read a book. I'd be getting that child checked out if I was you. Really? Do you know what I mean? Like, wow. Okay. 
Like some people wow. cannot help themselves, cannot help themselves. Like seems like a nice video, although I'd be worried about how cross-eyed Archie is. Oh, you don't think it's a nice video, uh, Bethany. Wow. Like, and I just think there's so much more that we could get into here because you mentioned Chrissy Tagan and with Alison Rogan being basically another Karen and gatekeeping who can have a lucrative career of selling merchandise and things like that. I don't know if we've even got time to get into it today, but... Well, I think we've kind of summarised, like, the whole thing. I just don't even know what to say. I think the thing is... What is the issue? What's the issue with these women and their real issue with women of colour? I don't think that they even realise that it's, like, women of colour. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that it's not rooted in racism, because it absolutely is. But I think that these women cannot in the Alison Rogan situation where she starts slagging off Marie Kondo and Chrissy Tagan, she says, Oh, I don't know if anybody needs another goop, even though, so she, she mentions Gwyneth Paltrow, but what she's trying to do when she mentions Gwyneth Paltrow is be like, this is the level that I'm trying to be on. Mm. I'm not trying to be like these women, these women Mm. of color, Chrissy and Marie. And I think that that's the thing that it's like, she had to be told do you realize how fucking racist that is? Do you realize how many white chefs that you could have mentioned? You could have mentioned Jamie Oliver. Yeah. So not only are you racist, there's so much internalized misogyny in what you're oh, saying. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. it's deep, deep rooted. And sometimes people just do not believe that, like, me? Racist? I would never use the N-word. Yeah. And that's what, that's what you think racism is. Yeah, so exactly. how can I tell not... you that you're racist? Yeah, and I think we need to find another way to, like, brand, like, racism needs a rebrand. Yeah. Because people don't really understand what racism is, and therefore they're not comfortable discussing it, and they're not comfortable educating themselves on it. And so we're all here kind of like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Meghan Markle is a bitch. <laughs> like, Meghan Markle is a know bitch. Her. But I would never get in my car with my dad and shoot a young man at point blank range. So how could I be a racist? <laughs> exactly. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? How crazy. However, she's a whore. Yeah. I, don't, I don't make the rules. Yeah. Uh, and this is the juxtaposition that we're talking about here. Yeah, it's so funny. And then on Instagram, I laughed my head off when I saw this. There was a meme and it said, how can I be racist if I have black friends? And the response was the same way that serial killers can have friends that are alive. I just found that so funny. <laughs> and then the comment under it was just like a misogynist can have a wife or a girlfriend. Right? Absolutely. And it was so funny. But then it was only black people that were like responding like laughing and like clapping and people of color basically like my friends who are not white but then none of my friends who were white like laughed or like I'm like this is funny yeah but that's the thing like I don't know and I would be interested to hear from I think it's because even when you're someone who is you know not racist you have loved ones that are and you are in rooms where people are being really derogatory about people from different backgrounds you're in those rooms all the time and so you're not removed enough from it to be able to kind of like laugh laugh and like have a conversation so you're silent I was gonna say the exact same thing like I know that I personally am not racist however in the same breath there are probably plenty of behaviors that I do that I haven't unlearned yet that uphold racist structures. Yeah. And as you said, I may not be far enough removed from people who are racist to varying degrees. They're not shooting people, but they might be using slurs. And so can I be like, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. thank God I'm not one of those white people. Yeah, exactly. And someone's going to be like, no, like, listen, I got to let you know. <laughs> Yeah, I so I think, not. yeah, I think that's a part of it. Like, if I'm in a room and somebody says something derogatory, I know that I can challenge that. Mm. You know, maybe I won't challenge it on the spot, but I'll find a way to make a point where I don't think that's cool. And I actively avoid work cultures and friendship cultures that, you know, right. where I'm going to be, I'm going to be bullied and undermined or like disrespected, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm really far removed from it. So I can laugh all day and have really <laughs> open discussions. I've got friends who are all right. I can listen to them and then I can say right. my perspective because I think I've got enough clarity on my thoughts, right? 
I think that for people listening to this who are maybe like, oh, like, I don't know, it could be me. I don't know if I am. I think, is it James Baldwin who said it's not enough to be not racist? You need to be anti-racist. Well, you do, yeah. Like, and this is what you have to be striving for. And listen, I remember having this conversation with someone quite close to me because I'd been in a situation where someone had made a homophobic joke and there had been a gay person in, in the group. And I kind of been like, I don't think that was very funny. I don't think that that was okay. And the person who had made the joke turned to the gay person and was like, you know, you didn't mind. And the person was like, no, I thought it was funny. It's fine. And Mm. I then said this to the person who was, I was quite close to who is also gay. And I was like, I felt so knocked off my feet because I felt suddenly like, oh, well shit. Like if you didn't mind, uh, am I allowed to be like, now I was in my late teens at this point and the friend in question is a bit older and said to me you can still say I don't care if they didn't mind I minded because sometimes in a situation where something casually racist is said if there is a person of color in the room they might feel that they have to be like no it's fine I know it was a joke Mm. so if you found that uncomfortable as a white person fucking speak up Please not be like, it seemed like everyone was having a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you can't expect the person who's being laughed at, who's being mocked, if they had it in them to challenge, that person wouldn't have made that joke in the first place. They know that this person might be on the meek side, Mm -hmm. right? So they knew they could turn around to that person and say, oh, but you don't mind if I'm openly homophobic. And that person was going to be like, oh, no, I don't mind. But, like, of course, that's really heartbreaking, if those Mm -hmm. are the people that you're hanging out with. When I was posting about the Ahmad Arbery thing, I would just post, but I wouldn't make any, like, call to action or any, like, major statement because I'm already exhausted. Yeah, (laughs) of course. And this is the thing. The exhaustion is important. Yeah, it's very, very exhausting. And I saw something on Twitter where this white girl who was in an interracial relationship with a black guy, and she's from Canada and he's from the US, and she was like, oh, my God, before I got in this relationship... I was so naive and I thought racism did not exist. And I was in the shop with my boyfriend and I just like, she had an item that she hadn't paid for and she was by the door. And then he said, oh no, no, no. Like I can't be at the door with things I haven't paid for. Right? right. Like as a black person, like I just don't have, I can't do that, you know? And then she was like, oh my God, you know, what's going on here? Cause she's moving through the world free. Yeah, and then yeah, she yeah. said how this guy really educated her on like the racism of America and how this relationship has like made her less ignorant and she's so grateful. And I was very offended by that. Yeah. Because I'm like, why does this guy have to now tell you the history of... She said this guy told her the history of racism in America. Read a book. Yeah. That's like me saying I have to go and be, be in a relationship with a disabled person to understand that as an able-bodied person, I am privileged. No, for sure. We really fetishize ignorance. Like, oh, I was ignorant. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, I don't know what race is. Oh, I didn't. Educated. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see that. Oh, black person, educate me. No, Google it. (laughs) And this is the thing. And honestly, this is the thing. And this is the point that I was trying to make at the beginning of the podcast about this attack that's happened in Georgia and about the people hashtagging like "Run with Maud." Please do not wait to be told by your friends and acquaintances and family members who are people of color about like, this is what you can do. This is a grassroots you can donate to. This is a pledge you can sign. Like you can educate yourself. The resources are at your fingertips. And it's great that so many people did go out and run those 2.23 miles or 2.26 miles or whatever it was. But so many of those people who fucking use that hashtag have not posted about the whole issue since so like that's great that you ran your two miles but like let's have a bit of ongoing dialogue about this because it's not just one way yeah let's figure out a way to have something that's ongoing and if you're interested in this you can just go on the internet there's a lot of information Mm -hmm. I'm definitely not here to like 
freaking educating you on the history of racism. Because <laughs> that that's an unfair burden. Like that's it's madness. And, you know, I think that we've touched on this in another podcast episode. I can't remember what the context was. But again, I mentioned about a family member in regards to the marriage equality referendum. And I said it must have been really hard to just constantly go out and educate people. Or And anyway, the conversation amounted to, she said to me, at some points, you have to accept the fact that people do not want to be educated. You can tell them the resources that are available. You can tell them the authors to check out the podcast the clips on YouTube, they won't do it. They'll be like, but just tell me why yeah, that's yeah. problematic. Yeah, exactly. And what they're saying to you is, I could not be fucked to do anything about it myself. And then you have on this woman's post, all her white friends being like, oh my God, that's so amazing. Go <laughs> you. <laughs> like Hashtag and, pure racism. <laughs> yeah, and then the same people go on Rachel Cargill's page and have a go at her. Yeah. And tell her that she's negative and tell her that, you know, whatever, just bitch about her and at her all day and police her. And Same tell people. her don't make it a race thing. Yeah, tell her don't make and it again, a race thing. We've spoken about Rachel Cargill. We probably talk about her every second episode easily. Like, <laughs> as a resource, she is incredible. She very much so works at a grassroots level. She does incredible initiatives. And again, if you are a white person listening to this, being like, oh, what can I do? She funds therapy for black girls, black women. You can donate to those Patreons. You can donate mm. to those Venmos. That's a great shout. And on a very base level, she really talks about this is how structural the racism is that we live with. Mm-hmm. This is how systemic it is. This is what you can do. These are the conversations that you can proliferate with your own networks. But there are amazing things that you can do that you don't even have to try that hard to do. I would say as well, someone that I know who would be a great person to speak with, again, if you're a white person listening to this, if you're based in the UK and you're trying to think like, what can I do? Nathaniel A. Cole is a guy I... No, I used to know through running. He is one of the founding members of Swim Dem Crew. He does amazing work in terms of sex positivity. He's a fantastic writer, a fantastic speaker. But also, if you want to reach out to him and be like, Nathaniel, is there a charity that you would suggest I donate to? He will let you know. Again, I would suggest looking to see if you can fund therapy for people of colour or people from lower socioeconomic backgrounds who invariably usually end up being people of colour a lot of the time and who are more stigmatised when it comes to approaching therapy and things like that. There are things that you can do. Or just be a freaking good person. Or just be a, or be a listening ear to a friend who might yeah. feel like, I don't know if I want to go running on my own. Yeah, there's what a I- lot. There's a lot that can be done and just, I think, Personally, for me, I'm really grateful that I've just got a a group of friends I can just be myself with and kind of bat some of these ideas back and forth. That alone gives me a lot of freedom and peace of mind that I'm not out here like pretending that these things don't exist, which I don't blame people for doing, you know, because you've got that one side where you're like, okay, white people like step up. But then you've got the other side of like, okay, black people step up. But black people are just trying to survive. (sighs) <sighs> you know it's like not everybody can protest or like be an activist on social media like people are just trying to get through their day-to-day people are just trying to pay rent get on the people property just, ladder exactly people are just trying to pay rent so part of me is just like just do the level of engagement that you can yeah that you can manage to do but yeah thank you so much for listening if you've made it to the end of the episode we're very <laughs> grateful we're gonna start doing promo codes in the last like 30 seconds yeah we need to start doing some promo codes um and as usual guys please share the podcast with a friend we are on all of your favorite podcast platforms you can follow us on instagram at jules phoebe do you know our email address phoebe yes i do it's jules phoebe at gmail.com awesome thank you for that (laughs) email us guys write to us Um, we'd love to hear from you yeah we'd love to hear from you we want to make sure that we're discussing topics that are relevant to you can I just say actually just as a final note on this we are recording on a Tuesday which will be our new recording day so we released um, our most recent podcast this morning and we're recording in the evening Uh, 
holy shit guys thank you so much for all of the incel information that you've sent across <laughs> to us um probably what we're gonna have to do is do another incel episode no, next no, week. i think no, we actually yeah i think we actually need to do a follow-up <laughs> on the whole incel thing my mind was completely blown i was talking to shada this morning and she's like you guys don't know anything you guys don't oh, know the half my goodness i sent so okay so a friend of Juliet's shada sent us across an article this morning as she was listening to the podcast where we talked about incels i could not stop reading it I was literally like, it was five to nine. I was about to start work. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Like trying to speed read, basically. <laughs> Sent it to my sister. My sister was like, I am only a quarter of the way through and my mind is blown. I'm having to take a break from it. <laughs> Guys, I will post the link to this. But honestly, yeah, Shada was right. We only, I only scratched the surface. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the whole like insult thing completely like, blew my mind um and the follow-ups have been so interesting so we always love to hear from you guys like reach out to us we want to build the content around your interests as well yes thank you guys so much have a lovely week and we will speak to you soon bye bye